This is the City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. My name is Sarah Manier, and today we will hear from our very own Government Relations Director, Candace Bach, as she sits down with Greg Profman of the Profman Company, a recruitment consulting firm that specializes in local government hiring. They will discuss how recruiting has changed during the Great Resignation, as well as share insights on how cities can go about successfully recruiting in the current labor market. I guess we should probably start with introductions so that the listeners will know who we are. And I'm Candace Block, Government Relations Director for AWC, and really happy to have Greg Profman here with us today. Greg, you have been doing executive level recruitment in Washington and really in the West and around the country for a while now. I'm not going to say how long because that would also say how long I've been around. But um, what could you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and what kind of brought you to this work and how long you've been doing it? Sure. You know, I, I, I'm a former city manager here in Washington State and, uh, and I served in Des Moines, Washington for a little under nine years and was the assistant city manager there for about three years prior. So I left there in, gosh, um, I'm kind of drawing a blank on the date now. That'll come to me in a minute. And joined a, a group called Waldron and Company as one of their vice presidents and partners. And then uh, in 01, started my company. So I'm just having my 20th year anniversary of the Prothman Company. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And you also, Greg, you were a police officer at one point, weren't you? I was. I actually started my, my career mm-hmm. as a University of Washington police officer for a little under two years, and then uh, with the city of Renton as an officer there for slightly under five years. That's what I thought. I knew yeah. um, you had kind of that law enforcement background and then made the switch. So and, and During my time as a police officer, I went back and got an MPA from University of Washington, you know, Bill Huskies, uh, and thinking I wanted to be a chief of police one day and actually heard about this thing called the city manager made that sort of left turn out of police work into city management and uh, it's been a great decision ever since. We're glad to have you and, and know that you've been really active with AWC over the years and one of the, the, the pillars in this community around HR and recruitment and, and have some insights to share with us today about recruitment and the environment we're in today. One of the things, of course, we're struggling with right now is this great resignation. So based on your experience, how is the great resignation and this really tight job market that we're in, how is it impacting local government? Well, I think it's having a profound effect on local government. I mean, just from what we're seeing in our recruitments, but yet what I hear from other HR directors and other local government professionals, everybody is struggling to find competent candidates right now candidate pools are very, very remarkably smaller than what they were, say, even, you know, 18 to 24 months ago. Yeah, and are you seeing that, I mean, you kind of focus on sort of executive level. Are you seeing that or hearing about that kind of at all levels? Is it at the executive level as well as everywhere else? Yeah, I I believe so. I mean, uh, it's an interesting time right now. You know, we have all gotten really used to working remotely. Um, You know, Zoom has become a, a a word I didn't know about until about 24 to 36 months ago. And we yet we're all experts now at working on Zoom and working remotely. And, and I think that's having a profound effect on 
whether um, <clears throat> entry-level workers and mid-level workers really want to go back into an office environment again. You know, my colleagues at Amazon, Microsoft, and, and friends that I have there, they have been working remotely for the last 24 months and really have no big plans to go back anytime soon. And so I think that is having an effect on the applicant pools for those communities that really want a, a full-time office staff. A lot of folks are going, well, maybe that's not for me. And that, that is having an impact. And you know, so I think at, at the mid-level and below, that's, that's what I'm hearing. And it's kind of tough. I think in government, there's a sort of an expectation from the public that we serve that somebody will be physically present. Yeah. And that, that's a shift that we may have to address at some point. Well, you know, I, and I think cities are going to have to start thinking that through relative to having flexible schedules. I mean, I, I think there's a real value-added proposition for having the front desk manned in a planning department or in a building department or you know in, in, in some place where a person can can come in to get their, their business license or whatever service they might require so i think we're going to have to think that through a bit more thoroughly uh, yeah. as, as we go about recruiting so is this challenge that we're facing right now this current hiring recruitment and retention situation different or similar to anything you've ever seen in the past uh different for a variety of reasons um we've all been so, you know, I, I think there's two major factors here. Number one uh, is certainly is the baby boomers really are retiring this time. They are not goofing around. They're not going to, they've been talking about it for the last five to seven years, but you know, okay, so the recession happened and their 401ks got knocked out. So they worked a bit longer to recover their 401ks, you know, and then COVID hit and, and people said, well, that's not the right time to retire yet either. It's so much uncertainty. So they held off. Now that, COVID is becoming a more manageable proposition. Um, they really are leading. And that is having a profound effect on the, on the, on the applicant pool we're seeing. Literally, uh, they're down by half of what we might've seen before. So as an example, if, if we were getting 35 to 40 applicants for a city manager's job in a city of you know, 30,000, uh, today we're getting 10 to 15. You know, so we're, before we had a, an applicant, you know, a really strong semi-final group of 10 to 12, we might have six to seven. You know, so that, those are the impacts that we're seeing now. And, and this is a secondary sort of externality to this discussion. And that is, well, gosh, wouldn't you think then the next crop of would-be managers would be ready to step in and take these jobs? Well, again, the recession, you know, the multiple recessions we've gone through have had a, a big impact on that also in that cities have been forced in counties and other local governments have been forced to trim their mid-level manager positions to stay within their taxing authority and their revenue streams. So that means a lot of the deputy city managers, assistant city managers, assistant finance directors, you know, assistant you know, community development directors, those positions have been lost. And not necessarily all of those have come back. And so that second group, that second wave of of talented folks have not been trained and had opportunities then to, to have the experiences that will, will, will serve them well to become a CEO or a CAO of a, of a community now. That's a great point that all that kind of focus on succession planning just yeah. really came to fruition. Do you have any, as you're working with folks, do you have any tools that you would recommend local government use to recruit staff at, at all of these levels? The biggest driving factor are probably a couple of things. This is a buyer's market in terms of, of the candidate pools because there are so few really good candidates out there 
and such a large number of job opportunities, candidates can pick and choose a little bit more uh, about which ones they are most interested in, and the dollars have to be right. So cities find themselves in that uncomfortable position of having to up their compensation to attract quality individuals. Okay, well, that's fine for that one or two jobs, but then that puts remarkable pressure on their internal comparabilities within their organization. So if you go out and, and raise the salary of your community development director to match what the market is asking for to attract quality candidates, well, certainly the other directors in that organization are going to feel, and rightfully so, that they also should be compensated at a higher level. And, and, and that's a, it's a vicious cycle for sure for cities, very, very difficult. The money does have to be right to attract good candidates. And then also flexibility within the work, the, the, the work schedule, meaning that some amount of you know, um, office presence and some amount of online presence would, would I think would be the, the best solution to, to employment now for many folks. Yeah, it's definitely um, changed. I, I would have, you know, two years ago, really never thought about working a significant part of my time at home. And, and now people are like, no, that's that's the way to, to make this work and, well, and balance and everything. Thank you to Zoom and to uh, COVID. I mean, we've learned a different way of doing business. Now, um, as an older school city manager, I've always appreciated the synergies that occur when you have people working together and in the right environment, how that collective thought process can add more value. So for someone like myself, I'd have to think through more thoroughly, you know, just how valuable is that and how do I replicate that in some way that's still, you know, value added. Yeah, that, that, how do you keep that culture and get all that yeah. um, brainstorming that happens by the water cooler, as they say. Yeah. One of the things that, it, that we layer on top of this challenging time to, to recruit and, and even retain employees is uh, local government in particular wanting to diversify their staff and recruit more diversity, women, people of color into their teams. Do you have any thoughts or um, suggestions for how, how to achieve that goal, particularly right now where things are so tight? Yeah, you know, I think you have to be aggressive. I think you really have to be aggressive in that. If we're doing, say, a city manager search and diversity is a is a high priority for that particular organization, we've got perhaps 14, 13, 14 different websites we're going to go advertise on that were specifically diversity oriented. But on top of that, you know, really, you know, as a recruiter, we're going to have to go and make phone calls to to uh, you know, assistants ready to step into the manager's role who might happen to be women, you know, and 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 really, you know, help them think through the possibility of, of applying. I mean, if we've done our job correctly, and, and I think we we do from time to time, we virtually all potential candidates out there will know of your will know of the opportunity, either through a direct mail or through advertising or even word of mouth. But really the next phase of this is, is being able to, to talk to someone about that opportunity and, and to really, you know, to see if it's the right move for them at that point in time. That's interesting. And, and not that different than like a dozen years ago when you, I think, might have called me about a, a job. So <laughs> well, I, if I recall you were the first female city manager of that particular community. So, you know, that, yeah. that was a, a, a small piece of groundbreaking on your part and for that community too. Yeah. Yeah, but and so it's just a good reminder that sometimes just the the old tools are still work. Just that phone call. Yeah, I, I think relationships count for a lot. 
Are there kinds of workplace managerial styles, cultures that seem to be doing better at recruiting and retaining folks than others? You know, I think it's a difficult one for me to answer because I don't know that I, I really grasp all of the organizational cultures I work for. We, we get a glimpse. But clearly the cities that have had stability, that are well-managed, that have a great reputation in the industry, attract a higher quality of candidate. You know, the, the cities that might be struggling a little bit, the cities that are struggling internally or may have gone through several city managers over a shorter period of time, I think that perceived instability can cause certain candidates to shy away. That may or may not be a good decision on their part, but I think that is a reality. Yeah, I, I definitely, that, that sort of situation, um, word gets out uh, and yeah. people know um, and, and hesitate. But yet, I, I can also tell you too that, you know, certain city manager recruitments, finding the right person for that particular job can turn a struggling organization into a long-term stable organization. And we both know of, of a variety of communities that have been turning over city administrators, city managers, and they find the right person and that person stays for eight to 10 years. And you know, yeah. it's a very, you know, a very a stable, good place to work. Yeah, uh, definitely. Sometimes it just takes that right person and it, yeah. it clicks for, yeah. for whatever reason. Greg, you mentioned in the hiring process that it's kind of salary and then flexibility are two of the things that candidates are really looking for. Are you seeing any other incentives that have been effective at attracting candidates? It's a little tough in the local government realm. We're not, um, we don't have as maybe as many tools that we can offer. Yeah, are um, big on our, signing bonuses generally. Yeah, well, I'm seeing signing bonuses now in policing, obviously. Uh, those are coming to fruition, but I really haven't seen that as an element in, you know, the chief executive officer level searches. I mean, I, I think that there has to be a full compensation packet available for those, I mean, like uh, deferred compensation, auto allowances when appropriate, 401ks, things of that nature that are maybe not as visible, but, but certainly have to be there, you know, for city administrators, city managers, you know, a contract with severance, things of that nature, all of that has to be in place also. Again, you kind of talked a little bit about this in that sort of stability question, you know, in particular, are there any things that you would highlight that job candidates are really looking for in a workplace right now? You know, I, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about the impediments of getting hired. Number one, housing costs. I mean, if for a candidate coming in outside of the Northwest, unless they're coming from a similar housing market where they have equity, it's very, very difficult to move to the greater Seattle, you know, uh, anywhere in the Northwest now because of housing costs. So that's one area. I think fit with that organization and fit with, with that, you know, that culture is very, very important to folks. And then flexibility. Now, those are the three that I see, but especially from, if I'm talking department directors or, or managers coming in from out of, out of state, it really is about housing and finding a place to live. Yeah, well, finding a place to live too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, we've all heard the stories about how quickly houses yeah. are going and, and yeah. just getting and, and, getting and, and, in. And, and in many cases, even though this person might be making 150000 a year, and you think that's an incredible amount of money, and it is, but yet when you look at buying a house for you know, $1.3 million, 
with a smaller down payment for what you had, but all of a sudden the, the numbers don't quite add up as well as you thought they might have earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point about housing, and um, you know that is an area sometimes that cities and, and other local governments have a little bit of ability to help with some of those initial yeah. housing transition costs. The other areas that we're seeing too is availability of work for the trailing spouse, um, and some cities have even began to help finding jobs for the trailing spouse, or at least identifying those. And that's an important component too. Yeah, I was, as we were talking about that, I was thinking about that. Um, it's a little different these days. There's, there's, both parties are usually working. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot more to, there's a lot to juggle there. Well, Greg, we really appreciate your, your time kind of sharing your insights. Other, other thoughts um, or advice that you would have for your, your fellow HR professionals who are struggling right now with um, recruitment, but also maybe some on the, on the retention side of things. You know, on the retention side, I think well, it's an interesting discussion around compensation. You know, we've all done our comparable salary surveys, you know, of, of like positions in comparable cities of, of comparable size. And those are accurate and, and they do reflect a, a, a certain data point. But what we're finding is that those surveys don't reflect the market for attracting new talent. And you know, it might be helpful in retaining talent, but I think if you have a long-term incumbent in a role and you go back out to recruit, thinking that those tools will help you then identify the market for, for compensation, I think you'll find the market has outstripped those comparables pretty, pretty quickly. And you may be surprised to find that, or one may be surprised to find that they already got two and three applicants and they don't know why, because it, it's a fair salary, do you think? Well, we're finding that the market is, is, is moving faster because of supply and demand than the comparable cities are in terms of those, those numbers. So that may be something to think through. Don't be dismayed to go out two and three times for, for a job. I mean, that help happens. And then, if, then understand for a moment that if you do get two or three quality candidates at, at your closing period, at that particular moment in time, time does not become your friend any longer. It becomes your enemy you need to move quickly about interviewing and then making an offer because if you don't, someone else will. So right. I read somewhere recently, like 10 days, it, it's yeah. not different, not much difference in the housing market. Like you really got to jump on it. Yeah. You need to move. You need make an offer, do your, you know, as opposed to going through, Hey, I'm going to bring five people in. We're going to have four or five panels. We're going to go through an interview process. And I'm talking, say for a department director as an example, you can do that, but you run a risk of losing candidates and you will indeed lose candidates. You may have to pick you know, two or three people and go through the hiring process and, you know, in four to five, six, seven days and do your references afterwards. And, you know, condition an offer upon successful references. That might be a model that, that one would have to think through, I think. Yeah, it's a little different for us in government to move a little faster maybe in that, that hiring process. We're definitely having to rethink a lot of things about local government and being more nimble and being more, more reactive. And especially when there's competition in the marketplace for a scarce resource. So it, it is a different way of, of thinking our way through this process. 
Well, Greg, we really appreciate you joining us today and kind of sharing these insights. This is something everyone's struggling with right now. And hopefully folks listening will find a few nuggets in here that will help them out or at least make them feel better about uh, what they, that we're all in the same boat right now. Hopefully this this will get a little bit better over the next year or so. It'll, it'll make us think about new ways of doing our jobs. Well, Candice, it's been a pleasure visiting with you again. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. And that's it for the City Voice podcast. The AWC City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. As always, thanks for listening.